0: Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus said, You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Such wonderful and hopeful words spoken by our Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples. It is helpful for us this day to put those words of Jesus into context. We should always ask ourselves the question, when is Jesus saying these things, to whom and for what purpose? What is Jesus talking about? Today we come to the fifth Sunday after the resurrection, and for the previous Sundays we've read about how Jesus has risen from the third day, how he has appeared to his disciples, to to, to Mary, to Thomas, to Peter. But today, as last Sunday, breaking from the post-resurrection chronology, uh, when we heard last Sunday, Good Shepherd Sunday, we backtracked in the timeline of the events of John's gospel. And today, the gospel reading is similar. For the words that Jesus spoke that we heard were from John chapter 16. And these words are part of John's upper room discourse, which records the teaching, the sayings that Jesus spoke to his disciples as they're in the upper room celebrating the Passover. John provides us with the the greatest amount of detail concerning this, this time of the Passover. It goes from chapter 13 to 17. Five whole chapters of John's gospel records Jesus' teaching and his words to his disciples on the night when he was betrayed. When we come to this short section, Jesus is speaking of two departures, two partings. Jesus says plainly, I am going away. Well, we should ask with the first 12 disciples, where is he going? Why is he going? What does this mean? Well, the first departure that Jesus is speaking about is his ascension into heaven. That's to come in the not-too-distant future in John's gospel. And for what purpose? Well, specifically for the purpose of sending the Holy Spirit so that the Lord would be present with his people. But then he turns his attention to his immediate departure. Jesus says these words. He says, a little while and you will see me no longer. Again, a little while and you will see me again. Now, in John's Gospel, if the first departure that Jesus is speaking about is ascension into heaven, then the second departure, the more immediate departure that Jesus is speaking about, is his crucifixion, whereby he will depart the land of the living. He will depart and be parted from his disciples by death. And we should ask the same question for what purpose? Well, for the purpose of redeeming all of his creation from sin, death, and the power of the devil. So ultimately, this is a good departure. But Jesus says, prior to that, a little while, and you will see me no longer. Because we all know that departures are filled with sorrow. As kids, my brother and I, we'd love to spend time with my two cousins. We're much closer, kind of like brothers, than we were distant relatives. And every time we got together, it was an adventure. We'd jump right back into whatever it was we were doing last time we saw each other, whether that was playing G.I. Joe, going for hikes, talking about cartoons, you know, kid stuff. But our time together was never long enough. Parting was difficult. None of us liked saying goodbye to one another. But my cousin Josh, he liked it least of all, especially when we were much younger. He would cry, and he would cling to me like he would never see me again. His love was so great, and the time that we got to spend was so special, it was a legitimate time of mourning when we were parting. Even though his parents assured him that we would see each other again, the parting was still so difficult and was filled with legitimate sorrow. Now, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he is talking about a much more profound parting. He is talking about a departure that would would be the cause of great sorrow for those who loved him. Of course, there was going to be sorrow and grief In seeing Jesus crucified on a cross, there was trauma in witnessing the suffering that he endured and seeing their loved one die in front of them. But on top of that, there was the sorrow of guilt and shame that was stemming from knowing that each and every one of the disciples abandoned Jesus, and Peter in particular who denied him. Because they realized there was some finality to this. At this departure, there was no hope in in asking for forgiveness or or being reconciled. As Joseph and as the women wrapped the corpse of Jesus in linen, anointed his body in spices, and lay him in the tomb to have it sealed with a large stone, any hope of seeing Jesus again was snuffed out. Now, to add insult to this injury, the world rejoiced at Jesus' departure into death. The religious and the political powers that existed, they were so happy to be done with this dissenting voice of a troublesome prophet. True to Jesus' word, the world rejoiced, and the disciples were sorrowful. But see, only for a little while, because we know that on the third day, their profound sorrow was, tor- was turned to inexplicable joy. Joy and, of course, confusion, but, but joy nonetheless in seeing Jesus, the crucified one, alive. Now, think about that. If you've ever been separated from a loved one, well, you know the joy of seeing them again, don't you? When you wrap your arms around them in a bear hug, smiles lighten your face, the sounds of laughter or squeals of delight linger in the air. Perhaps you can recall a time where you were reunited with someone that you would never thought you would see again. If you have that in mind, you're empathizing with the first disciples. For they were struck with the sense of bewilderment and amazement. How can this be? How is it possible that we are seeing Jesus again? He was dead in the tomb. This departure that no one returns from, and yet, here He is. What a joyful reunion, a spectacular return. Here's the thing, brothers and sisters in Christ. The first parting... For a little while the parting into death and rising again to life sets the stage for the second parting and return well, why is that significant well first and foremost it's this if jesus says that something is going to happen it happens if jesus says it is, it is. If Jesus says he will rise on the third day after being put to death and it comes to fruition in his resurrection, well then everything that Jesus has ever said is true. It will come to pass. His word creates reality. So what does that mean for his second departure and return? Well, it means that it will happen just as he said. For his return from the first parting of death proves it. This second parting that Jesus is talking about in John 16 is his ascension into heaven. It takes place 40 days after the resurrection. And there, there is another parting. Jesus is physically parted from his disciples once again. They see him in the flesh no longer as he bodily ascends into heaven a parting, a departure. But on the 50th day, the day of Pentecost, the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit just as Jesus had promised. And the triune God dwells with his church on earth in all places all over the globe, and he will do so until the very end of this age because that's what Jesus said. So if we want to ask the question, what good does this do for us now? Because we're separated by these words of Jesus by time and by place. Well, take heart dear brothers and sisters in Christ and believe Jesus' words. Christ is present in the present. Here and now, by word and spirit, Jesus is present. He has not departed from you or he has not left you or deserted you. This is our hope and our confidence. And for what purpose? Well, Jesus comes to give joy in the midst of sorrows. And to be sure, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there are sorrows in this age. Pandemics. Disappointments with yourself. Disappointments with others. Missed opportunities to be reconciled. Guilt and shame over the things that we have done, or the things that we've left undone. See, sin still holds sway over this creation. Because death and partings, they're still part of our experience. That's the evidence of sin in this world. And yet Christ is present in this present age. So we are not without hope, and we are not without purpose. Because of Christ and his resurrection from the dead, this time is transformed from being only and ever a time of sorrow to being a time of hopeful anticipation. Remember Jesus' own words. I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Not only is Jesus present in the present, he is also our hope for things that are yet to come. I love the way that Jesus puts it. He says, When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered her, the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. That's a thing of the past. For joy that a human being has been born into the world. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this age is ripe in labor pains. All of creation is groaning, to quote the Apostle Paul. We who have the Holy Spirit, we are also groaning. We are in sorrow for sin. Our own sin and the sin that we see in the world. And we long for it to come to an end. And so here's the hopeful thing, is that it will come to a good end. Not because of our sorrow, but in spite of our sorrow. For we will see Jesus, and when we see Jesus all things will be made new. I want you to listen again to the revelation given to John by the risen and living Lord. Through him we get this glimpse of the things that are still yet to come. A picture of a reunion, full of joy. A reunion with the Lord and with all those who are now at rest with him. A time that is not yet present, when this age is past and When the new has come, where sorrows are forgotten and joy abounds and all of God's creation is new. So I want you to listen again to the revelation of things yet to come. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, that is the people of God, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. For the former things have passed away. Why? Because he is seated on the throne and said, Behold, I am making all things new. Write this down, he said, for these words are trustworthy. They are true. It is dawn. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end and the thirsty. I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son, my daughter, my child. This reality that is not yet here is sure and is certain because of Jesus' first departure and return. His death and his resurrection. It happened just as he said. And his words are trustworthy and true. And as Jesus departed a second time into heaven, take heart, he will return again from heaven in glory at the last day. And until that time, Christ has pledged his promise to be with us in the present, even, even, and especially in the midst of sorrow. For he is our source of joy and hope, and in that we take heart. For our Lord is making all things new. And as we turn, there will be no more sorrows, only joy eternal. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds, in the present and risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.